Hello, idiots. Like Casey says, fella ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul. The one big soul that belongs to everybody. Then... Then what, Doc? Then it don't matter. I'll be all around in the dark. I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy. I'll be there. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, though. Me neither, Mom. Just something I've been thinking about. You're listening to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. From sports to gardening, from good food with close friends, to great music and movies. Provided by your hosts, Cody Stoffer, the reluctant Gen Xer, and Craig Morton, the token baby boomer. These guys are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but they will be entirely by accident. Yes, indeed. Blue Collar Podcast, all that's holy. Hey, Cody, how's your week been? Well, not too bad. Can't complain. I'm still stuffed from Thanksgiving. Oh, man. Not me. I'm empty. Ooh. <laughs> mm. I know what we should talk about then. Hang on. kind of empty around this time of year. Yeah, some people look at Christmas as half empty or half full. And some people are just completely tapped out. It's the end of the year. And everyone else is running around with glitter in their beards and eggnog in their cups. But some people are not filling it. So we're still talking about Advent stuff, but we realized, we realized, we touched a couple times very lightly on the topic of the blue Christmas. By the way, I'm Cody Stoffer. I'm Craig Morton. And Craig and I realized that uh, we probably could delve a little deeper into this idea of blue Christmas. Craig, where does blue Christmas come from? Is it an Elvis Presley song and movie? You know... I did not really study the uh, genesis of the term. Yeah. No. Me neither. It's really hard to think that it came from anywhere else but Elvis. I don't know. It might be. That might be the original source of the term, Blue Christmas. But there is, more recently than even Elvis, kind of a push in churches and denominations to 
recognize that people are feeling a little bit down during the Christmas or the Advent season. And so a lot of churches do what's called a Blue Christmas or a Longest Night Service. What's the Longest Night Service, Craig? So the Longest Night is just lining up at the winter solstice. So that, that period in the year where the darkness has kind of hit its peak. Uh, it's not going to get any darker. It is the, the longest and darkest night. It's literally the longest night. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's uh, some, of the, some of the lectionary resources that I use from time to time. Uh, I usually go to like text week, and look at some of the resources there. And frequently there's things in there from Australia or, you know, down under. And it just seems kind of odd that they might be celebrating. They wouldn't be celebrating the longest night. In December. In fact, they would be celebrating the longest day. Um, I wonder if it makes for a slightly different flavor. Right. And what typically happens at a longest night service? Do you know? Have you ever participated in one, Craig? I have not. I really wanted to participate in one and, and set them up. But um, I've looked at, at some of the different uh, liturgical, uh, or I mean, the yeah, the liturgical uh, outlines about how to set up a service and what mm-hmm. those services look like. Yep. And. Um, it, it looks like it's, um, you know, it's basically a time of, uh, to, to acknowledge grief. Yes. And, and it's not just, a lot of them orient them toward grief over the loss of the life of somebody. Right. But I think what gets me more than anything else in a lot of these, uh, uh, the kind of the Christmas season sad songs, mm-hmm. is not a loss of life. It's a loss of a relationship yep. or some Oops. kind of distance that can't be breached. I mean, they, they right. can be bridged. Yep. Um, the, uh, so, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I've done, I've been a part of a participant in, uh, I've led or, or co-led three of these. And the most significant one I should tell you, okay, so I've done, I've used like, uh, and I think we're going to share links to some of these resources, but I've used the United Methodist Church Liturgy for that, for one of them. Another one, I, we kind of did a combined, so it was actually um, my church, which is United Methodist Church here in Clarkston. It was a church, or I mean, a Disciples of Christ church and a uh, um, Lutheran church or Evangelical Lutheran church in America. And we all combined. And that one, I, I'm not entirely sure where we got the resource from, but it was not just, we didn't just focus on, so there were moments all throughout, it was about a 45 minutes and there was time for specific kinds of grief. So there, yes, there was passing away of somebody, but there was a time for divorce. There was a time for just depression. There was a time for those who might be without work and are, right. are, are grieving that. And so, yeah, so we built in sometimes, but the most meaningful service that I, I was, I suppose, the leader in, and I ended up not really being the leader, but I'll explain. <laughs> it was one where really only three people showed up, and I had this thing all planned out, you know, with liturgy and some music and some candle lighting and things like that, but it felt really you know, like it wasn't going to be right for the crowd that was there. And so I set everything aside that I had planned. And instead, we all came together and sat with each other and 
shared story of why we were there, like why we were, what was nagging at us and, you know, tears were cried. And it was probably, there was just three of us, but it was probably, uh, I'm sorry, there were four of us, but it was probably the most meaningful one I've had because agenda was set aside and we just shared in some grief that we had. And it was pretty important that moment. And it, it seems like uh, grief unaddressed Mm-hmm. Is is just a, a a tragic oversight. Yep. Um, I'm I'm just thinking of all the times in congregations where I've served where we've got, you know, soon soon as even before the uh, Thanksgiving comes around, you know, people are planning for Christmas. You know, planning for an Advent season. Talk, you know, talking about maybe different uh, plays or pageants or choirs or activities and parties and a wide variety of things that just seem to be part of the, the celebratory tradition. And yep. it, it, it almost, um, it almost seems as if this blue Christmas idea, some of these things that we're grieving over, um, just get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, a couple things that I found or that I, one thing that I that really grabbed my attention was an article that I read about parents who lost some children in school shootings. Mm-hmm. And the article that I found, I mean, that I came across, it, it just uh, fell in my path. But what it was is these, it's a very informal group of folks spread all throughout. Well, this is based in in America. I'm sure there might be um, other groups around, but this one's uh, based in America and it's folks, parents who've dealt with, um, you know, their kid got woke up on school morning, went to school and didn't come back that day uh, because of the actions of uh, somebody bringing a gun to school or whatever it was. And so these, it started informally with these groups, these parents, one parent reaching out to another a few months after they dealt with their own, but they heard about the Parkland shootings, I think it was. And so they've started to connect very informally and they reach out to each other. Every time there's a shooting that they hear about, they reach out and say, hey, here's what's helped me. Here's a group of people. And they connect with each other and they, you know, they uh, help each other as they grieve. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, it, it's, it's, the genesis or the creation of these kinds of associations that people make that, that uh, are often difficult. Uh, you, you don't really advertise, hey, how many people have had a loved one die a violent death? Oh, yeah, good to meet, nice to meet you. Right, right. It's, so, so a lot of these burdens are carried by people really deep down inside. Yep. Might be looking for somebody, but how do you go asking for somebody like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Well, and I, I think, you know, that, but that brings up, you know, so many different things about what is the grief um, that, that comes in. Some of it is, I mean, that grief is the loss of a child. That's, you know, a, a death, but death, I mean, not getting too philosophical, death is more than just death. I mean, it's the loss of, you know, thinking about watching your child grow or, you know, mm-hmm. seeing, you know, how they come to, you know, maturity, see what kinds of friends or relationships or, you know, marriage or job and just all these dreams that we have for our kids, all those things are immediately eliminated. Right. Yeah. It's, 
it's definitely the loss of the person, but it's also, you know, we carry, as, as parents, we carry all these hopes and dreams about what our children will become. Yep. And we get invested in that. And, and so it's, it's never possible to lose the life of somebody without losing part of yourself because you've, yep. you've invested so much hope and, and dreams in that. Yeah. yeah. And even, even setting those aside, hopes and expectations and dreams. I mean, even just the, um, like the exchange, the emotional exchange between each other in any kind of relationship, you know, that you have, there's definitely a vacuum there of energy almost even, you know, that we exchange with each other and that's right. gone. It's, all, yeah. it's just. It, the, um, yeah, so that, that, that goes beyond the simplicity of Elvis uh, singing Blue Christmas. Right. Um, you know, there, there's, there's some other songs that we're going to talk about uh, that actually go into the, the depths of some of that kind of grief. Yeah. And I'm thinking of um, a song by Alison Krauss. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else was it with, with her? Natalie uh, McMaster. Yeah. yeah. Just gorgeous, gorgeous uh, prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Want to hear that right now? Let's hear a little bit of that. Okay. You, uh, okay, I need you to, there we go. <laughs> We're on top of things here. This is, uh, it's called Get Me Through December. thing of that uh, it's beautiful isn't it it's a beautiful song 
One thing I noticed in there that I hadn't thought of before is there at the end of that uh, chorus, she says, you know, just get me through December so I can start again. And it's almost like, you know, you recognize that there's, you know, I mean, I, I understand the idea of seasons in life, but I didn't think about how in the dormant season of winter and if you're especially if you're dealing with grief, it's almost like. Okay, there's a, when the green comes, when the sun comes, there might be some hope. I see that coming. But wrapped up in that also is a little sense of this whole cycle starts again. And it, it's going to come around again at, at some point. But yeah. just get me through this part right here. And I think that's, that's probably the key to grief for any kind of healing. It's kind of one day at a time. Get me through this. It's going to feel better when the sun shines. It's going to feel better when the, when the, when the light starts to grow, the sh shadows begin to shrink. Um, yeah, it's kind of amazing to look at the whole seasonality of some of this, that it's, you know, it's, it's a liturgical season, but it's also affected by just the way the sun goes. Yep. We actually yep. feel it. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. What other, uh, you know, I, I, in that song, I didn't sense what the reasoning was with the grief. It could have been the loss of a really, that's almost just a generic, but yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, well, it kind of fits all, but it fits it also the, the sound of it, it fits the deep, deepest kinds of grief. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now some, some kind of uh, grieving and, you know, is, is, uh, is different than other types of grieving. Um, one article that we'll have posted on on the, the links is from Relevant Magazine, and it's about you know dealing with your dysfunctional family. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, during Christmas, uh, that's that's another thing for a lot of people. I, years ago, I was doing a, a conflict resolution workshop called Desperate Housewives, <laughs> and it was a it was a workshop about you know our lives uh, and the desperation we feel when we are cramped together for too long of a period of time with all of our in-laws and right, right. Um, cousins and everybody else and just the anxieties mount and how mm. to deal with that. Ah, uh, well, so like, like take long walks, take long walks, <laughs> yeah. find some isolation, maybe spend some time just with a few rather than the whole, right. you know? break them, break them into groups. Like, okay, I can handle I, this group here for 20 minutes. I, I think that's called divide and conquer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, you know, that's, but that's also one of the areas of, of grief is, you know, our, our families don't turn out the way we want them to. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, it's so difficult because difficult we get these images of mm -hmm. these ideal families uh, at, at this time of year. And in fact, some of the most heartwarming and beautiful images are like, um, you know, some of the commercials that spend an extra amount of time. You know, there was a beautiful Xbox commercial that took about two minutes last week. <laughs> and, and, you know, it just, it gives you this, this, you know, feeling of warmth inside. And, right. and, you know, Windows usually does that. So does Apple. And they, they make these wonderful commercials. And then you just realize they're just trying to sell me something. But they right. do have these wonderful images of family and harmony. And while, <laughs> I mean, do I want to say I want to get rid of those? Those are still great ideals. <laughs> uh, but they sometimes make me feel like, well, what about the issues I'm feeling? Right. Uh, one of the most uh, interesting uh, clips that I've seen on the internet lately that's been going around is the story of a young man who listens to a tape that his mother, mm. before she died, 
Yes. Gave him like a dozen or however many tapes to listen to every Christmas till he's 30. Ah. Like, ah. Oh, wow. Which, which blends together the sweet sentimentality of Christmas, but also the absolute reality of loss. Yep. Oh, it, that's a good one. It was, it was really, really what, amazing. What was that even an ad, a video for? Was it an ad or was it just a... Yeah, it's, somebody told me, I have to look it up, but somebody said it was like some Scandinavian, who knows, futon product, I don't know, but <laughs> it, it's like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, I, when I was done, because I, I, you shared it with me and I watched it and I didn't even pay attention to whatever it might, it might have been. It just been somebody's uh, short film that they produced. I don't know. It was but, beautiful though. It was yeah. very good. Yep. Yeah, well so, done. So family issues can be, can be something. And, uh, you know, to move on in a slightly different tone with that. Wait, wait, can I share one thing yeah. that you made me think of when you talked about dysfunctional family just a little bit? So one of the funniest things or not funniest, <laughs> Well, it was kind of funny, but challenging things that we had to navigate uh, as a family when we first got married, my wife and I, you know, obviously splitting up holiday times and things like that. But also, you know, when you have your family that you grew up with and, you know, their rhythms and their traditions for the holidays, and then you bring somebody new into that, it can be a challenge to, and especially if, and um, you go in and compare your families to each other. And, and so you're like, oh my gosh, this, this is what a family can be like. And now I'm feeling like, oh, so down on my family or vice versa, you know, like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so you're talking about dysfunctional families and like if one family, you know, comes together and they have close to it, you know, a warm Christmas and then the other family comes in with a, uh, uh, no, this isn't Christmas, man. This is, whoa, now I feel terrible about my family. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it, it, and that, that is, and that's rough. Uh, yeah. uh, so have, have you experienced that in your extended family? <laughs> well, you know, a little bit, but yeah. uh, I'm not going to say one way or another which way it went, whose family, <laughs> you know, whatever. So Yeah, I tried to ask it uh, generally yeah, enough there. Right, right, right. But... Well, yep. right. I mean, I, the way the, the traditions I grew up, well, that's the right way of doing it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it, it, it's really hard to separate normal or what we expect is what we, what's become normal for, for us. Separate right. that from kind of yep. right or wrong judgments. Yep. Um, so then, uh, but on, on that thing of dysfunction, I, you know, one of the things that's kind of fun there is uh, there's a song by the Dropkick Murphys that uh, is, uh, deals with these issues of odd families. Oh, boy. Let's hear it. <laughs> What's it called? It's called The Seasons Upon Us. By the Dropkick Murphys. Here we go. It's that time of year Brandy and eggnog There's plenty of cheer There's lights on the trees And there's wreaths to be hung There's mischief and mayhem And songs to be sung There's bells and there's holly The kids are gung-ho True love finds a kiss Beneath fresh mistletoe Some families are messed up While others are fine If you 
You should see mine. Oh my gosh, that's a great one. It is. Oh boy. Okay. Hopefully, for some who are dealing with that actual situation, it, it, it adds a little levity to the. To there the, you go. That yeah. that helps. That helps. Yeah. Oh my word. <laughs> okay. What so, else we got? You know, I was I'm kind of bouncing around with some ideas. I mean, I, I, I um, I, I find that a lot of these liturgical services. That, that you know form a form a wonderful you know litany or or prayers really revolve a lot around the lament psalms yeah and uh, there's there's the, these the, it seems like a really good time of year to pull out some of those lament psalms hmm. and one of the things that uh, as far as kind of biblical uh, styles of psalms goes most people are so used to looking at psalm 23 right as a psalm of hope and you know just it, it's a feel-good psalm but it really fits the whole pattern of lament psalms yeah and it really you know really needs to begin to have have any meaning to really understand the valleys that someone is in right uh, so to take time to read some of the psalms with uh, with some reflection uh, just even you know in one's own doesn't even have to be in a service uh, of course but just you know, to do so. One of the Psalms that I like to read a lot, and it might make me just sound morbid as anything, I guess, I don't know. But since I deal with uh, depression from time to time, and I, I, I frequently will go to Psalm 88. Ooh. And Psalm 88 lets, kind of reminds me that, um, that that feeling of lament, that feeling of um, grief or isolation isn't 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 abnormal you know it fits in the context of our faith right um and it's it's just a penetrating psalm i was just i was just going to go ahead and read it read it lord god of my salvation by day i cry out even at night before you let my prayer reach you turn your ear to my outcry because my whole being is filled with distress my life is at the very brink of hell I'm considered as one of those plummeting into the pit. I'm like those who are beyond help, drifting beyond the dead, lying in the grave like dead bodies, those you don't remember anymore, 
those who are cut off from your power. You place me down in the deepest pit, in places dark and deep. Your anger smothers me. You subdue me with it, wave after wave. You've made my friends distant. You've made me disgusting to them. I can't escape. I'm trapped. My eyes are tired of looking at my suffering. I've been calling out to you every day, Lord. I've had my hands outstretched to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do ghosts rise up and give you thanks? Is your faithful love proclaimed in the grave, your faithfulness in the underworld? Are your wonders known in the land of darkness, your righteousness in the land of oblivion? But I cry out to you, Lord, my prayer meets you first thing in the morning. Why do you reject my very being, Lord? Why do you hide your face from me? Since I was young, I've been afflicted. I've been dying. I've endured your terrors. I'm lifeless. Your fiery anger has overwhelmed me. Your terrors have destroyed me. They surround me all day long like water. They engulf me completely. You've made my loved ones and companions distant. Darkness is my only friend. Hmm. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> oh boy. And that's the end of it, right? Yes. That last line is, and darkness is my only friend. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, we're talking about the longest night. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, talking about December 21st, talking about the feeling of darkness. Uh, that psalm just, it's pounding. Penetrating. Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, a lot of those lament psalms, if, if you read them, not all of them in this way, of course, but several of them end with a almost like tacked on, but, you know, God comes through and I trust. Yeah. That's what, and, but that one didn't. That one didn't end with that one. No, no uh, it, it just ends with the pain. And one of the things that's interesting in there is part of this, the lament psalm tradition. There's usually this wager in there, this little prodding of God to say, hey, if you do this, and, uh, and it's like, hey, will the dead give you praise? So, hey, don't let me die. If you want some praise, keep me alive. And, uh, you know, will those who are in, in the pits of Sheol be able to raise their hands in prayer to you? No, they won't. So keep me alive, you know. Um, and it's kind of like this little deal. Hey, God, I'll praise you if you get me out of this mess. It's kind of a quid pro quo deal there that God's going to get something out of, it, out of the deal. Yeah. But just to know that, that, you know, throughout, especially really in the Psalms, it seems like the main collection of, um, you know, in, our, in, our, in, the, in the sacred part of our tradition, that's where we find the voice, I think. You know, it's also among some of the, um, you know, some of the prophets as well, but I think those laments find, them, find their way through the, the Psalter quite well. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> now, one of these articles that you, I was just reading through it, it's pretty good, about the how to deal with grief during the holidays. Right. From Psychology Today. One of the things I zeroed in on, because this is something that um, I use for others, uh, is in the article list like nine things. One of them is do something kind for others, which sometimes sounds uh, 
what's the word? Pollyannish? I don't know. It does. It does. <laughs> a little bit. But I do like... But know, I like Pollyanna. That was kind of a nice Disney movie. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> can you hear me all right? I can. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a weird sound over here, so I didn't know what happened. But anyway, what I like about it is the idea that um, it's almost, it's not, I mean, it's a, a, a selfless act thing, but it's also, there's a little bit of selfishness in there because, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Right. You know, like, I mean that in, in the sense you can end up in the end of it feeling good about yourself because you um, brought value to somebody. You know, you, there is something that you are contributing, you know, and it's almost like, see, I can. Um, I can bring something to the table, you know what I mean? Like, well, and that's, that's, you know, I, I, altruism feels good, but that doesn't make it less altruistic. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. There's a, yeah. It, can I tell you when I was a kid, uh, there was, we had some, it was like an inspirational speaker or something. I don't remember what the whole purpose for meeting with this person was. I can't remember if it was a school thing, but anyway, this person said that there is no true completely, uh, selfless act that anyone does that there's always something in it and we fought so hard with that person you know like oh what do you know what about this what about that and they're like did you feel good after you did it did you you know or whatever <laughs> and we're like yeah but that wasn't the and they're like I'm just telling you there's no truly selfless act really in, in a sense so well and while there may not be any truly selfless act Maybe we're creating false, you know, kind of dichotomies there. That right. Yeah. Yep. That so, uh, that you don't need to divorce yourself from the the act. One of the oh. things. That, have, so have you have you experienced that where you've gone out and you've done something for others or or helped others through their grief by by engaging that way? Yeah. So definitely, like, and if we were still doing our portion of the episode where we did confessions this would be my confession and the confession is that as a pastor one of my weakest spots is empathy especially for people who are grieving and i i know that the reason is because i've never experienced a big loss like other people have um i've experienced loss obviously in my family but all of my you know the major relationships all still there. So I never knew my grandma or grandpa on my mom's side. So I just, I didn't have that. I mean, they didn't, essentially they were dead before I uh, was even around. And so I've never lost a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt, a brother, a sister, um, a parent, um, wife, child, none of that. So I've not experienced the really big. And so I obviously know that that will come uh, in my life at some point. But till now, I've not experienced that really searing loss. And so when I deal with people or when I, I shouldn't even see, like, see my language isn't even that great. Like when I work with people who are going through that, I feel an overwhelming sense of inadequacy because I don't connect with their deep loss. And so I compensate with uh, A, you know, presence be like, what can I do to, you know, what, 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 what do you need me to do, you know, in this moment? Cause I, I don't know what to say, which, and I recognize, you know, 
as a detached, when I'm detached from the moment that sometimes that is really just what you need to do. You don't need to say anything. You just shut up, you know, and just be there. But I don't, yeah, in the moment I feel so inadequate. So I default to, oh, how can I be, uh, you know, take care of any kind of act of kindness or anything that I can do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. So, so, so what, one of the things about uh, grief is that um, I mean, you, hearing you talk, you're reflecting on the griefs or the, in some ways, the lack of grief you had. Right. Uh, but then there's, then there's the people who see, you know, the whole world is, you know, the glass half full, glass half empty. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a type of grief called anticipatory grief. Sure. Where, you know, you're not, you're not missing anything right now, but you know that an end is coming just because all things do. Right. And, and it's almost like grieving over the loss when it's still there. Right. Um, you know, which, which can lead toward an appreciation of the transient of things and living and enjoying the moment. But yeah. it also completely ruined the moment by going, hey, this good thing I like is going to be gone, so I might as well not like it at all. You better not enjoy this too much. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a strange kind of grief, and I wonder if it's one of those grief uh, types of grief that uh, maybe keeps us from enjoy- really enjoying things. Mm. Uh, and why, I don't even know where it comes from, but I know that sometimes I have that experience where I go, well, this is really good, and it's probably never going to happen again, and then I get really sad, you know? <laughs> Oh wow, yeah. Almost a uh yeah, a pre pre grieving. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, maybe a def- almost a defense mechanism, right? So that you cuz you know it's going to come, so I'm already ready for it. I'm I'm The other part of it is I I have a really obscure relationship with time mm-hmm. and that I I like to plan ahead. Mm. And so I think I wonder if it just kind of goes along with that. Sometimes I'll forget which day, week, month it is because I'm thinking about other appointments or responsibilities that land somewhere further into the future. Ah. And so uh, my, my brother's birthday is like June 15th, 16th. And I remember one May I called him up and it was like May 20th. And I said, Oh, Hey, I'm sorry. I forgot your birthday. Uh, happy birthday. And he was like, uh, it's, it's May. I'm like it's May. I thought it was June. It's not June. Oh, it's May. Oh, I've, I've got, a, I've got more weeks, you know, but, but sometimes in my head, I spend so much time in the future. I wonder if that uh, kind of sets me up for mm-hmm. that anticipatory grief. I've, you know, today's already come and gone because I'm two weeks away. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're so moving. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Oh, another, another type of grief um, is the grief uh, that's not loss. It's almost... It, it reminds you of what could be, but it's not. So I remember when my mother was, was uh, suffering with dementia and, you know, it might have been Alzheimer's, but, you know, that, that's not a definitive test. But, you know, you, I, I would see my mother and she just wasn't my mother anymore. Right. You know, and then I thought of what my dad would do every, every day taking care of her and that the woman that he had spent his life with you know, this, this was the same person, but it, it, it wasn't the same person. And so it's this, this loss of, of relationship, a loss of, you know, just the person is there, but it's like a sh- they're a shell of themselves. Right. And I think people go through that kind of um, uh, grief, and it can be called disenfran- disenfranchised grief. It's a grief where 
um, you're, you're separated from this thing, but not by death. And, and sometimes, well, one of the, one of my favorite sad Christmas songs is I'll be, I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. And part of that disenfranchisement there is distance. Yep. Um, that I can't get there. I can only be there in my dreams. Yep. Um, Let's play a little bit of that one, which, yeah. by the way, is one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs. I absolutely adore it. The uh, story behind a ride, it's uh, essentially told from, not that it was written from a soldier's perspective, but it got really big through the World War because of that. Right. That's how I understand the story as well. That's why I connected with people. Right. Okay. Here we go. I'll be home for Christmas. Bing Crosby. <laughs> I'll be home for Christmas You can plan on me Please have snow And mistletoe And presents on the tree Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas if only. tell you one of the lines in there that always makes me laugh a little bit is the um the line please have snow like oh okay uh we'll get on that we'll we'll see what we can do for you so growing up in in uh, tempe arizona where it was like 75 degrees on christmas uh, we would, there, somebody in the neighborhood would usually drive their pickup truck off into the mountains and then they'd come back and then there'd be a pile of snow in somebody's front yard. <laughs> so I mean, it, bring you some. it's possible. You're just it making it have a delivery. <laughs> I love it. Well, I that, know, it's classic. But that whole thing of, um, some of those things about snow, Christmas, I mean, things that are purely Northern hemisphere. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Please have um, snow, mistletoe. I just, I, I you know, the, the, the acquaintance of mine down in New Zealand, I just think they're probably putting shrimp on a barbecue. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, please put shrimp on the barbie, not snow. That's right. Um, 
That's right. That no, but, man. Uh, what are you talking about? Snow ain't Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and Santa Claus wears like a speedo, and he's on a surfboard. <laughs> we but. sang one year in uh, when I was in elementary school. We always put a little elementary choir together, and we would go sing at what's called the Festival of Trees. Right? You probably have one, some of those around. Yeah. We'd go sing, and one year. We sang called Skateboarding Santa, and it was because in the story, the song, the story was that there was a drought or a heat wave, and so Santa couldn't come in a sleigh, so everyone was worried. How's it going to happen? And lo and behold, here he comes on a skateboard, doing, dropping off presents and doing tricks while he's doing, <laughs> dropping off the presents. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I still, the songs are stuck in my head to this day, man. I taught them to one of my girls, and we went to... We just one year, we were like, we got to do something kind of fun for as a family. So my daughter and I went around to folks in the church and saying, we showed up at the door, knocked on, walked in and saying, you know, like three Christmas carols a piece. And that was one of them. We worked in there <laughs> at a couple stops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so are you, are you going to do a blue Christmas uh, service this year? I think we are, but man, I am so not ready for the whole season. <laughs> I'm so you know, planning, not planning wise. Isn't that just wrong? Because you and I have been talking about Advent for a I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so Advent. mentally, I'm there, but I Advent feel like hasn't even started yet. I know. Organizationally, I'm not there. So mentally, see, I'm, I'm there, but I'm anticipatorily grieving my lack of preparation for Advent. I'm going to miss that's, it. I think that's what I'm doing too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of one song that we both, you said you listen, you used to listen to when you're a kid on repeat, and this song isn't necessarily anticipatory, but it's almost like grieving a loss of what could have been. Yeah. Um, and that's the same old Lang Syne by Dan Fogelberg, which yep. I also listened to repeat when I was younger as well. <laughs> I love now it. Now that you're older, it's like, oh, it's too close to home. I'm not going to listen to it anymore. <laughs> not, oh, do you not want to hear it right now? No, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's hear it. Christmas Eve I stole behind her in the frozen foods and I touched her on the sleeve She didn't recognize the face at first but then her eyes flew open wide She went to hug me and she spilled her purse and we laughed until we cried i 
tell you what uh, this song kind of reminds me of a little bit is that um, Robert Fro Frost poem, you know, the two roads or the, yeah. yeah. And you know, like um, there's multiple interpretations of that poem. And one of them is, and I, I actually resonate with this one and think that maybe this might be closer to the truth of what he was getting at, but it was the sense of what if, you know, cause sometimes it's interpreted as a triumphant like i took the road less traveled by and that was you know like that's made me who i am but i sometimes see in it like a a sense of almost like looking back and what if i had taken the other right. road you know and what would be different because both roads look the same you know there's what what would have what would have happened with that other road so exactly there's not really a quality judgment placed on that he just simply right. says and that's made all the difference. That's right. That's made all the difference, good or bad. Which difference, right? That's right. That's right. And I think in our, in our desire to be always looking on the bright side, it was a positive difference. Right. Uh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Uh, one of the resources that you uh, shared with, with me, and I'm, I actually might buy this, is uh, <clears throat> a book called Wounded in Spirit. And yes. it's, an ad, it's Advent Art and Meditations by David Bannon. So I don't know a lot about the book, but it seems like in it there's art pieces with some meditations that go along with the art piece. Is that? Right. So it's available on Paraclete Press, and uh, we can put a link on there for that as well. But it takes, you know, world masters and uh, some, you know, some of the names that people are familiar with, like Gauguin and uh, Van Gogh and and looks at some of their art and matches uh, any one of the, the, the paintings they, you know, that these artists have created and, and puts it with a devotion, 25, um, 25 images, 25 devotions going from December 1st up to Christmas. Mm. Uh, what was I going to say? I forgot. I don't know. But well, one, uh, one of the things that's, that's, um, this book just makes me think about just because I'm a wannabe art geek. Yes. Is how valuable it is to go into, you know, these images and have somebody speak a truth that you can't articulate and to see it expressed that way. Um, in uh, my first congregation, I had a woman who was a, uh, there was a, a, she was a professor of art history and she had done a study on hospital art. Hmm which seems kind of like an odd thing to do. <laughs> but, you know, she went, she went around the country and she was uh, looking at what kind of art is hung in waiting rooms and chapels mm -hmm. and uh, you know, places throughout a hospital. And most of them were, you know, sweet, pleasant, pastoral images, you know, past, uh, pastel colors, you know, very soft and soothing and relaxing. Yet during the Middle Ages, uh, the images of suffering, you know, the images that people would see among hospitalers, actually those monks and nuns who would take care of the sick and dying. Right. The images that were created were images of the suffering Christ, mm. and, but Christ was suffering from the same malady. And so during the plague, uh, one of the images that was up on the altarpiece for these for the sick and dying to, to look at was Jesus covered with 
the sores of, of the Black Plague. Oh, wow. And rather than escaping our misery, rather than escaping our, our pain, Jesus is taking it. He's, he's oh. with us in it. That's good. And, and I think sometimes looking at some of these you know, uh, masters, uh, looking at some of their work, you begin to see some of these elements that otherwise might, uh, you know, we, we might miss or not have a way to articulate. Uh, one of the resources on there uh, is called The Grief Connection. It was just a short video uh, done by one of the, uh, pers- uh, one of the um, curator, I'm not sure what her role is, at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And she describes the loss of her parents. And she talks about how the art at the museum and how that nurtured her through her period of grief. Um, you know, so there's you know, some of these, some of these um, images can be really, really satisfying mm. if we take time to sit with them. Uh, you know, and I, I didn't think about it till now, but you know, when I notice paintings and art the most is when I'm in the hospital and they're on, <laughs> and they're on the walls. I don't know why. That's where I stop and look the longest. Well, would you be soothed with a, a pox written uh, Christ or would you rather <laughs> have a pretty barn with flowers? Mm, I, yeah, I think, it, you know, I see the value in, yeah. in putting Christ in the art with the affliction. Um, or not even affliction because one of the, one of the pieces that you linked to was, um, this is interesting. It was somebody took a famous painting and well, I'm going to let you describe it because you know a little bit more, but they essentially put, um, inserted something into the painting that's a little bit different than the famous painting. Well, it's, it, it's still a famous, it's, it's still the famous painting. It was simply copied. Uh, about the same time as the painting's origin. There was like two oh, versions of it. okay, okay. And uh, it's called uh, Adoration of the Christ Child. Yes. And the, the, uh, the name, there isn't really a name. It just says from a follower of Jan Jost of Kalkar. So it doesn't really say who the, who the artist is. But in the original image, uh, perhaps the original image, Mm. Uh, it's uh, a, sh- a shepherd and an angel appear as any other shepherd or angel might. Yet in this one that was um, that that we've got the link to was was studied uh, over the last several years by a number of uh, not just art historians but also folks involved with uh, genetic disorders and looking. This is a depiction of people you know with Down syndrome, mm. and so from the you know from the 16th century. Uh, somebody with the sensitivity to say in these divine moments of, of the, of the Christ child, uh, we have an angel who has down syndrome, mm. we have a shepherd with down syndrome and that those things that, you know, are sometimes difficult for us to bear, difficult for us to carry. Uh, they're there. They're part of, uh, those people who welcome Jesus. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just an incredible thought, you know, to, yep. Back in the 16th century. Uh, I see in that. I didn't get that part when you sent it to me. I didn't realize that. That it was yeah. back uh, uh, at the same time. So we don't even know which one's the original and which one's not. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. And reading through the article sounds like it might even be the very first time that they know of that somebody in art was depicted with Down syndrome, which of course they wouldn't have known. They wouldn't have had that name back then, of course, but. And, and there's there's a number of uh, there's a number of scholarly articles that if you if you want to get lost on Google you can 
dig into the the critiques or not the critiques but the studies of that that piece of yeah. art that's amazing yeah oh, that makes even that takes on even more depth to me now that's cool yeah good one good find well, well, we've got more resources on here than we're going to go over, but we'll, we'll put them on the podcast page. Yes. Can, uh, one thing I'm excited that we're going to offer here, and we might start, and I think we're going to start offering continuously, is an All That's Holy Blue Collar podcast playlist of our music that we feature in the episode. So we've got one now that you've put together, Craig's put together specifically about the theme of blue christmas and it's got some of these songs on here that we've listened to already and it has a bunch more there's like 14 songs in total and, and it's other, got an eclectic it's got, mix of stuff too yeah it is a good we've got country we've got bing crosby we've got one of my favorite christmas songs all time and i'm going to end with and that's the fairy tale of new york oh that's uh, a good one from the pugs i love that that's one a- some we of the other spa. resources we've got there, I uh, just want to highlight one more resource that yes. nobody's Christmas is complete without uh, Crumpet the Elf. Yeah, David Sedaris, one of my favorite. And, and uh, the, the line at the end of that piece is just incredibly penetrating. You know, you're laughing at the silliness of it, and then he says, it's not about the child or Santa or Christmas or anything, but the parents and the world they cannot make work for them. That's right. Like, wow, there's a lot to carry there. Yeah. It's, it's a great, great spoken word piece. He's so good, David Sedaris. And we've got three orders of service for different uh, Blue Christmas services that you can look at. Uh, one is from the United Church of Canada, one United Methodists, and one from a Baptist acquaintance, acquaintance of mine down in uh, New Zealand. Excellent. And then just a taste of our next episode, because some of you might be wondering, weren't we? We mentioned in our last episode, we were going to talk about love because it's the next theme in Advent. And we're not. Here we are. We're talking Blue Christmas. And that's because we, we we didn't skip it. It's coming up. We're going to talk about love in our next episode. And I'm so excited because we have a special celebrity secret host uh, should I say now or should we wait? No, no, keep it it a secret. Let's keep it a secret. I love it. But yes. We, we, we have made reference to um, the outlaw theologian of love. Mm-hmm. If you can remember who that is, we coined that nickname on our podcast when we interviewed this fellow last time he was on. So if one you of our, are one of our listeners guessed it right off the bat. Really? Yeah. I was on Facebook and I went, oh, are you talking about so and so? Like, yeah. Wow, interesting. Oh. Somebody remembers. It could be, I'm not saying this is why they remember, but it's quite possible it's because we sp- spread our episodes so far out back then that it's just easy to remember. That's true. <laughs> we're on a roll, though. We're getting them done every week. We're nailing it. All right, we're going to close out with a little uh, The Pogues and Fairy Tale of New York featuring Christy McCall. McCall. All right, Craig, I'll see you next week, buddy. All right, thanks a lot. See you. There was Christmas Eve there In the drunk tank An old man said to me Won't see another one Sang a song, the rare old mountain dew. I turned my face away. 
dreamed about you God, I'm the lucky one Came in late since one I've got a feeling This year's from beginning So happy Christmas Dreams around you 